But in keeping with our Just Do It campaign, um, kind of want to give you an idea of what I do uh, when it comes to you. And again, I've never taught this kind of a Bible study before, and I'll do my best to get through it tonight. If not, we'll finish it up next Wednesday night. But this is a very specially planned moment for Pastor, and uh, I hope you can enjoy it and appreciate it as much as I have preparing for it. I want to base my Bible study tonight on the book of Philippians. Uh, That's in the New Testament, for those of you that hadn't been through a good home Bible study course. Uh, It's an awesome book, and I'll give you a little bit more description about it. We'll be reading some scriptures out of Philippians chapter 1 in just a few moments. But I want to give you the background of why I'm using the book of Philippians for this setting. The book of Philippians, it's referred to as an epistle. Somebody thought one time that an epistle is the wife of an apostle. Um, It's not. An epistle is just simply a letter. It's like you'd write a long letter. We call it a book, but it's actually more of a letter. It's just a long letter. And uh, but the book of Philippians, or this epistle of Philippians, was actually a letter written by the apostle Paul to the local church. One much like this is a local church in the city of Philippi. He wrote this letter from a prison in Rome where he had been put under arrest for preaching the gospel. I'd like for you to remember that tonight. He's writing this epistle from jail. Paul had established this church having had a dream of a man calling to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us story of that dream is found in Acts chapter 16. And after he had this dream, he set sail for Macedonia and was eventually joined by Luke. The city of Philippi was a city in the what was then a country of Macedonia. Macedonia is a geographical and historical region of the Balkan Peninsula in southeastern Europe. Its boundaries have changed considerably over time, of course, But nowadays, the region is considered to include parts of six Balkan countries. So Macedonia was made up of these six modern-day countries, and you'll recognize the name, hopefully, of some of them. Number one being Greece. Number two is the Republic of Macedonia. Then there's Bulgaria, Albania, Serbia, and Kosovo. That was Macedonia back then. And inside that country of Macedonia was a little city called Philippi. And that's where Paul went to start a church when he had a dream one night of a man from Macedonia calling, saying, please come and help us. The city of Philippi has a very interesting history, and I'd like for you to, if you're interested in in Bible, not trivia, but but things that aren't always preached and taught, here's some for you that I found and find interesting, and, and hopefully you will as well. But the city of Philippi had been established as a Roman colony where retired soldiers could live and enjoy the full privileges of being a Roman citizen. So essentially, the city of Philippi was a retirement community. It's what we would refer to as a retirement community. There were very few Jews in Philippi. We know this because when Paul and Luke arrived, there was no synagogue or Jewish temple for them to go to to preach or teach. Also, the letter to the church at Philippi, and this is interesting to me, 
the letter to the church at Philippi that Paul wrote has no reference to the Old Testament. thought that was a very interesting tidbit. Paul did not reference the Old Testament in the book of Philippi, or the letter of Philippians, the book of Philippians. He didn't reference it. That's very unusual for Paul because typically in all of his New Testament writings, and he wrote over half of the New Testament, he refers to the Old Testament law of Moses. He was schooled in it, deeply schooled in it, very educated in the Old Testament law of Moses. So Paul and Luke began preaching in Philippi with no Jewish background, just Gentile people. And eventually there was a lady named Lydia, uh, and the person the Bible calls the Philippian jailer. These two people were eventually converted in Acts chapter 16. And it's interesting to note that the first convert in Philippi was a woman. Paul saw in his vision that night a man, but the first person he converted and won to God was a woman. Her name was Lydia. So as you study the book of Philippians, you'll discover that there are a number of references to the work done by women in the Philippian church. So eventually Paul found it necessary to leave Philippi, but Luke stayed and helped the church. The church at Philippi became a great joy to Paul. And the church was always willing to be a source of strength and financial support for the, Paul, for the work of Paul and his ministry and all the places he went around the world. That's why I'm so thankful that Grace Church can support missionaries, uh, people that you hardly ever see. You've never been to their church. You don't really know that much about their ministry. We hear from them from time to time. Their plaques are hanging on the wall uh, just across from the restrooms. You can go see them as the missionaries that we support. But uh, much like the church at Philippi, they were willing to support missionary endeavors and we also support home missionaries we support the lighthouse ranch for boys and so on so the because of paul's connection with his church he started this church he loved this church it was a special church for him um i would like to believe that it was perhaps comprised mostly of gentile people i find the jewish people in the new testament to be pretty contentious most of the time it seems like the Gentile folks were easier converts and easier to pastor and easier to teach the Word of God and what have you. So the church at Philippi became a great joy to Paul, and the church was always willing to be a source of strength and financial support for him. So this is one of the main reasons Paul writes the letter to the church of Philippi. He wanted to express thanks to this awesome group of people for all they had done to help him preach the gospel. And you'll notice in any commentary you read when you study the book, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. The whole theme of the book is joy. And what's interesting to me is Paul's jail cell confinement and his, his incarceration did not take away and distract him from his joy that he felt towards this church a heartfelt joy and appreciation of them. Paul usually wrote to a church because of a particular problem that they were facing. This is not true of the, the Philippian letter. Although Paul does take time to deal with a problem that had risen between two ladies of the church in Philippians 4, verses 2 and 3, that's something that is carried down through the years. 
Conversion only goes so far sometimes. <clears throat> anyway, that's just a joke. Uh, y'all are sitting there looking at me kind of funny anyway. Um, but Paul took the time to deal with that. But it's not the bulk of his writing. It's not the point of his writing. There's, there's an overarching theme in the book of Philippians, and it's joy. Five times Paul uses the word joy in the book of Philippians. Then he uses the word rejoice 11 times to the Philippian church and, and how they were making him feel and how he felt towards them. And uh, many agree that the key verse for the book of Philippians is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, when Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. So that's a little bit of background. That, so you'll understand tonight where I'm coming from in this Bible study. I want to read tonight in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Bible said, Paul and Timotheus, or Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in, Je- in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, which are bishops or overseers and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul begins the letter to the Philippians in much the same way he opens his other New Testament letters, he identifies himself as a writer along with Timothy who is with Paul in this Roman prison cell. Paul also quickly lets the people know his true position of leadership in the kingdom of God and that is simply a servant. Paul also quickly lets them know and goes on to write and we'll talk about it more in just a few moments but how thankful he is for them and so on. But stop and think for a moment about the man who's writing this letter. Paul is no wrong-side-of-the-track kind of guy. Paul was educated in the finest of schools. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he called himself. He was a strict follower of the Old Testament law of Moses. He had been converted to Christianity while on his way to kill Christians on the road to Damascus. He had performed miracles, established churches, and wrote the majority of the New Testament but he calls himself a servant, which literally means a slave in this case. I'm a slave to the kingdom. I'm a slave to the church. I'm a slave to the body of Christ. That was his identity. That's who he thought he was. Paul had realized what so many others had not. No matter how high we go in this world or how much acclaim we're given by men, we are, as Christian people, called to a life To serve others. (laughs) I would to God that more Pentecostals could get their head around that. We get on an ego trip sometimes because we know one God and we live a holiness lifestyle. And sometimes it goes to our head and we think we're better than everybody else. Bottom line, God called us to be servants in the kingdom. And that's our job. We have a golden opportunity Saturday, even with the Tipler family or with Dean Dykes, to, to be a servant. And put our Christianity where our mouth is. Everybody said amen. Paul had established his position as servant, then greets all God's holy people in Christ Jesus, and then greets the leadership of the church, overseers and deacons. My desire tonight is to show you the heart of a pastor and how a pastor derives his joy from those who he is called to serve. So let me speak to you a few minutes about a pastor's joy in his people. I want to set the record straight tonight. This is God's church. He died and bled for it. I resent it when I hear pastors say, I preached a sermon at my church Sunday morning, and it's my church this and my church. I resent that. 
It's not my church. I'm here to serve this church. It's his church. He died and bled for it. Pastors, in my opinion, are a dime a dozen. But the church took the blood of Christ to save it. So I want to talk to you about my heart tonight as pastor. Again, I've never taught this before, and I hope you'll understand. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul said to this sweet little Philippian church, made up primarily of Gentile people, one that was started as a result of a dream and a vision from God. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of, of Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. So Paul in the first 11 verses of Philippians has given us a glimpse into his prayer life because these verses record how he prayed for the Philippians. And I have used this model for a number of years when I pray for you. During the Christmas holidays, there was a man from Youngstown. My in-laws have met him on several occasions. Uh, his name is Joe Devlin. <clears throat> Joseph is now in his early 60s. He's blind. He can hardly walk. Uh, he's in a bad way. When we met Joseph, it would be probably 25, 26 years ago. I would say he was probably in the prime of his life. But Joseph had a problem. And I'm not going to say what his problem was because this is being recorded. But he had been carrying a heavy cross of sin since his childhood. And some very terrible things had happened to him that caused him to turn out to be far less of a man than he had planned. He was married to a beautiful, beautiful lady named Bonnie. Not long after we resigned the Youngstown Church and moved here to pastor here, uh, will soon be 22 years ago, uh, Bonnie passed away and we flew back and preached her funeral. During the Christmas holidays, Joseph called a couple of times. We called him, missed each other. Sister Murphy and I were on the road uh, last week for a couple of days just for some R&R, &R, so we decided while we were traveling, we'd call him. We called him, and as he has done since the time we left, but this time it was different. Um... Uh, as we were terminating the phone call, he started just, his voice was completely broken. He could hardly speak. And uh, he said, Pastor, still calls me Pastor after 22 years. He said, I didn't realize when you folks were here at Faith Tabernacle was the name of our church, that that would be the glory days of my life. And he said, I didn't take advantage of moments that I should have taken advantage of. He said, I wasn't nearly the man I should be. 
He has credited me many, many times for saving his life. He was suicidal at one point. There were things that was revealed about him that we found out, and he couldn't bear the fact that we knew it. And was suicidal. We rushed to his side and coached him through that, put him under some accountability with an elder in the church, and Joseph has been living for God ever since, has a deep passion for Christ, and we saved his life. And he said, I just want you to know that you'll always be my pastor. When I hung up the phone, I was really disturbed by his comments and to the point where I almost feel like I need to call him back because I'm not sure how much longer Joseph will be with us. He just had that tone in his voice. And this is one of the last things he says. He said, if God ever calls you back here to pastor or to start another church, He said, I hope that I'm the first one you call because I'll be your first member. I tried to persuade Joseph that God would have to speak to me numerous times in visions and vocal voices and audible voices and through confirmation of about 10,000 people to get me to go back and start another church there. But take a team of mules to drag me out of here right now, I can tell you that. But... uh, I want this church to know, after talking to Joseph, and that's not the primary source and reason or inspiration behind this Bible study tonight. But I think it is important, if you have a pastor that's, that's real, that's genuine, whether you all think I am or not, doesn't. that's between you and whatever and whoever. But to take advantage of that relationship. You'll find out in a few moments in this Bible study that I've met some pastors that's that's not that way. So I just wanted to teach for a few minutes tonight what my bent or my mindset, what my frame of mind is towards this church. Paul said, and he begins praying in verse 3, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. And I have to say truthfully tonight in this church, and my heart is filled with emotion, and I'm going to do my best to contain it tonight. But when I think about Grace Church, it's great memories. I could take you folks down a long stroll down memory lane tonight, and I'm not going to bore you with all those details. We've we've had some hurtful times. I'm not going to be delusional here tonight. We've lost some good people and people that we love and care about and what have you. And, uh, but that's, that's all a part of it. But, but, but I, by and large, our memories of you here at this church are phenomenal. Uh, it, it's almost every day, almost every day, I think of the miracle that God gave Billy and Michelle with their two grandbabies and two twins. It's hardly a day that goes by that I don't think about that. And those are memories that I have. That, and people have been close to death. My father-in-law kissed death on the mouth several years ago. And uh, God brought him, brought him back around, and I thank God for that. And I, I could go on and on here tonight about the miracles and provision and things that God has done. I'm not going to go down that, that road tonight, but just understand that when I think of you as church people, I thank God for you, all of you. I can only imagine tonight that Paul begins his prayer in his mind. It begins to roll back to great miracles of conversion in Philippi. This church was established with amazing supernatural events. Paul's mind probably went back to when he was thrown into prison at Philippi. You remember the story of Paul and Silas in jail and an earthquake came and 
at midnight and shook the dickens out of the thing and they were all set free and what have you and the the Philippian jailer and his family was converted now to Paul he didn't remember the prison cell Paul remembered the prisoner or the warden if you will that was converted that night he remembers the day that the Lord led him to go out to the river to pray and when he did he approached this group of women that were having some little makeshift group uh, group gathering on their own and they responded the woman's name was Lydia she was baptized received the Holy Ghost she opened up her home uh, to the disciples she fed them she allowed the word of God to be preached there and so on he remembered the demon possessed girl that who was hopeless but because Paul went and was willing to preach to Philippi the girl was set free from the demon and converted I can only imagine the smile that must have crossed Paul's face as he remembered the marvelous things that God had done at Philippi. And then he goes on and says, In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. There's people sitting across here. I remember when you came to Jesus. I remember the first night I met Shaquana. Can I tell that story? I'm going to do it anyway, so... I like to get forgiveness. It's you know it's better than or, or permission. It's better than forgiveness. But man, I walked into Sister Odessa's house. We'd had a couple of Bible studies at Sister Odessa's house, and walked in that night, and there sat Shaquana. And I'm gonna be as respectful as I can, but this lady reeked with attitude, buddy. Just had that look on her. Don't fool with me. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. Whatever. But I remember that night, man. The Holy Ghost began to move. And they started worshiping and rejoicing in Odessa's living room. The Holy Ghost started moving. And that old wall began to fall down. And it wasn't long until Shaquana was filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I remember that, man. I just smile. It's awesome. I don't want to embarrass her in any way. But I remember these things, man. The history that we have with people in this church. Glorious times. I remember when, when Brother Phil came Last year when Brother Holland was here, walked straight down the aisle right there and boom, God filled him up. I remember that. And I could go on and on here tonight about the incredible things. And this is what Paul did and he, he remembered and he found it to be a great source of joy. You read the book of Philippians and Paul's relationship with that church, there is no trace of bitterness. There's no trace of anxiousness in his voice. There's just joy, joy in the fact that from the very beginning of the church at Philippi, the people having lovingly and willingly partnered with Paul in preaching the gospel around their known world at that time. I can honestly say that as I remembered the people of grace, I can, much like Paul, pray with joy. My mind goes back to the times we, we, we've had together and how you've partnered with me as pastor, how you've partnered with my vision, how you've partnered partnered with me with my burden, how you've come together with me to see this church grow and become the great church it is today. I don't forget the early days in Baker when there was about 12 of us there. That was what we had to start with, and we started and we started as big as we could. And through the years, God has sent people uh, to this church that have partnered with our vision, that get get, has gotten on board with where we're going with this church, and we've watched it grow. And I think about those times and it brings great joy. Paul was thankful for the church at Philippi, and so am I thankful for Grace Church and how you've partnered with me 
uh, to help us move this church forward. So the joy that Paul experienced because of the Philippians gave him the confidence to say, and this is what I want to say to you tonight in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that being confident of this very thing, you're great people, you love God, you love the kingdom of God, you love the word of God. And Paul was saying to them that, that God has begun a good work in you. Don't stop letting that develop. Don't think just because you received the Holy Ghost, that's it, and this is all I have to do now, and I just wait till I get to heaven. God has started a work in you, and He's able to continue that work. He's able to perform that work into you until death or the rapture. The church at Philippi had partnered with Paul in the gospel, and because of this, Paul knew that he was going to partner with them in helping them endure to the end. God had begun a good work in those people, and He will, He will, He will continue that good work in them until Jesus comes. I want to say this, church, He that has begun a good work in you is able, He is able to see you through tough times and good times. He's able to heal you. He's able to renew you. He is able. I want you to know that when pastor prays, I pray for you, oftentimes, in each person in this church, I go down my phone directory and I pray for you. And I think about who you are and where you are and what you've been through and the direction you're headed. And I only pray that God, whatever He started in you, whatever it is, and that's between you and Him, that you allow Him to continue to perform that work in you until He comes. It's grieving sometimes when people say, no, I don't want to go any further, and no, I'd rather the world, and no, I'd rather go here and there rather than focus on the kingdom. But I pray for you tonight that you'll continue to move in the direction that God wants you to move in. Everybody said amen. So if it's right for Paul to feel like that, I believe it's right for me to feel like that. I love you, and I want the best for each and every one of your lives. There's no greater joy that I receive as pastor than seeing you achieve and strive for the things of God. So I'm thankful that Shaquana is now one of our most incredible Sunday school teachers. Thankful for that, man. Thankful for that. I could go right down the line tonight. I'm going to try not to get sidetracked because I want to so bad and just start calling names and invariably I'll leave somebody out. But uh, it's a, pra- a pastor's prayer for his people. Paul went on in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. He said, In this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. There's four things that I want to lift out of this scripture setting tonight that I'm praying that God will do for you. Number one is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That you'll understand the kingdom. If you can understand the kingdom of God tonight, it helps you not to be hurt and it helps you not to be offended. I talked to someone on the phone today that was mistreated badly by a minister. Very rude. Very curt. But the person said, I understand. I understand. I'm not offended at the man. My feelings aren't hurt with the man. I understand. It's okay. We'll follow up again later. 
That's what I'm talking about here tonight. Jesus said, great peace for those that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. So the first prayer is that God would help your love for him, for the people of God and the lost to increase more than it ever has. I'm asking God to increase your love for him, your love for one another, and for your love for those that are not serving God. The Lord desires to use each and every one of you in a special way. Yes, He does. He has a plan for your life and calling for you to fulfill it. But ultimately, He wants you to love Him because of who He is. He doesn't want your love today and then no love tomorrow. I'm praying, and when I pray for you as pastor, that you love, that your love would be nonstop, and that through your love for Him, your knowledge would increase, and that you would have insight into the world around you that would demonstrate the wisdom of God. Paul went on to say so that he prayed for the church at Philippi so that you may be able to discern what is best. My second prayer for you, Grace Church, is that as your love for God grows and your insight is increased, that you would be able to make the right decision. That you would be able to know and discern the will of God for your life and the direction He wants you to go in. The connotation of this passage is that of an assayer being able to choose between precious metals, to know what's priority and what's not, what's right and what's not. He would have the knowledge to choose what is good and discard that which is not good. My prayer is that you too would be like the man who is able to tell precious metal from rubbish. As you live for God, you're going to have to make decisions about which road you'll travel. The world, the devil... And other influences will try to get you to make choices that would bring sin and shame into your life. I pray for you that you would make the right choices. That you would not just make good decisions, but that you would make God decisions. I pray that you would be able to distinguish between those things that are going to benefit your walk with God and toss out so much of the rubbish that's trying to destroy your relationship with God. Paul said, and it was his third prayer, that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. My third prayer for Grace Church is that when you're trying to make decisions, when you're trying to identify what is best for your life and what you would remember, this is one prayer request. In other words, you need to ask yourself, is the decision I'm about to make going to keep me pure and blameless? You listen to pastor here tonight. You can study the New Testament all you want. But you'll only find one classification of church that God's coming back after. It's not one that's huge. It's not one that's the big deal in town. It's one that is pure. It's one that is holy. It's one without spot or blemish. If you want to be a part of the church that's going to be raptured, that's where you need to attend church. Everybody said amen. You can try to have it your way if you want to, but bottom line, if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to conform to God's book and to God's plan. And I pray for you. I pray for you that you'll make the right choices. This is kind of a continue over from Sunday. I talked to you Sunday about crossing Jordan and doing what God wants you to do and being what you want me what He wants you to be. And I'm telling you and I'm asking you tonight to, to understand that the conviction you feel in your heart sometimes is because pastor's been on his face praying and God's nudging your old heart saying, hey, you got a little too much of this going on in your life, a little bit too much of that. You need to turn a little more Godward. You need to reorient yourself. I hope somebody hears what I'm saying tonight. I pray for you that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
Paul is suggesting two things in this passage. First, that people would keep him or herself pure, pure in thought, pure in action, in word, and so on. But secondly, that Christians would make decisions and live their lives in a way that would not cause others to stumble. This really applies to your children. Parents, please don't do things that will cause your children to fail. Don't say, well, they're... Six years old, eight years old, ten years old, and it don't matter. They're only three years old, it don't matter. Yes, it does. You're sowing a seed. You not only have to ask yourself, will the decision I'm about to make spoil me, but also is what I'm about to do going to cause somebody else not to believe in Jesus? That really includes your children. So many people today say, I can do whatever I want as long as I'm not hurting someone else. That's not at all true. Every action has an opposite and equal reaction. For the Christian, this attitude is completely wrong. When you give your life to Christ, you become His. And whatever you do, you're doing as His representative. I want to say to you tonight, when Sister Murphy and I married, we became one. And whatever I do has an impact on her. What she does has an impact on me. And what we do as a couple has an impact on everybody else. I've learned that lesson the hard way. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a hindrance to somebody else. And so when I pray for you, I ask God to make sure that this church is pure and blameless for the day of Christ. When the trumpet sounds, He can rapture church out of Central. That He'll take us all up together and be together with Him in the air. And everybody said, Amen. The final prayer that Paul prayed, and I'm bringing this to a conclusion. I don't know that any, any of these things have one priority over another. And I don't want to place a priority. I just talked to you about being pure and blameless. I, uh, I want you folks to understand it. It's, it's not about holiness standards. I hate that word sometimes. I hate the way it's used. I hate the way it's presented. It's a big, huge 16-pound sledgehammer that a pastor walks around with all the time. And if somebody gets out of line, boom, you get crammed in the head with it. It's not what the New Testament does, man. And we've taught it, and we've taught it, and we've taught it, and I hope you understand our perspective and how we present that. But God is coming back after a church that's pure. He's coming back after one that's holy, and so on. But here's something else for Pentecostals to think about. Here's something else for Pentecostals to embrace. And it happens here at Grace, and I find out when I talk to people that it happens probably more often than I think it does. I had lunch with somebody this, just this week, and they just in the course of conversation, as though it was nothing, they didn't mean it that way, but it, they didn't make a big deal out of it, is, is what I'm trying to say. But, Pastor, we had so-and-so over at our house. They hadn't been to church in a number of years, and later on in the conversation, we had, went out to eat with so-and-so, and we're, we're trying to get them to at least come visit Grace and what have you. I don't know all these things are going on unless somebody says it. So I understand that there's folks in this church that every single day and every opportunity you have, you're reaching out to somebody. You're trying to help somebody. And while the church is on this planet, that's our purpose. I had a just a mind-boggling revelation last week coming home from Atlanta. I rehearse a lot of our old hymns in my head, and I think about them and sing them. And uh, But I had a revelation. I grew up singing, He set me free, 
he set me free. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt, no freedom from my sorrow I felt, but Jesus came. It, it, it occurred to me, I thought about, he brought me out of the miry clay, he set my feet on the rock to stay. I thought about all these songs. And I thought about all the years growing up in church that I sang them in church. Here's my revelation. Who was I singing that song to? God? If so, why? If anybody knew that I had been set free and that he brought me out of the miry clay, he did. He's the one that paid the price for it to happen. So, as I sang those songs as a teenager and played a tambourine or a saxophone, whatever I could get my hands on back in the day. Sing those songs, play them, whatever. Well, then it occurred to me, am I singing it to my fellow churchgoer? If I am, I hope by now that they know it. I hope, Sister Pat, back when I was a teenager, that Somewhere along the line, Sister Teeny, that y'all recognize that I had indeed been filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 12 and I was baptized when I was 10 and I know I was a heathen sometimes. Sister Sheila, behave. I know that's hard, but she was in our youth group. Y'all don't know how, how hard this job is sometimes. They're back there, I know who he is. I've still been accused of stuff that I don't have no recollection of doing. Mike Frazier told me one time that I drove across his neighbor's front yard in my car and tore it up, and I have no recollection. Honest to God, I have no recollection of it. Anyway. But who are you singing these songs to? I'll tell you who we need to be singing these songs to. It's not people that come to church here. And it's not necessarily to him. It's people that needs to have the same thing happen in their life. Well, I thought y'all might would agree with that. <laughs> if we've been set free, then I think the most useful place for that testimony is to someone who's not experienced that yet. Anyway, let me conclude. Paul said in his fourth and final prayer for them that I'll use tonight, is he said, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. And my final prayer request for you is that you be filled with the fruit of righteousness. You don't just say you're right with God. You live right with God. It's not a Sunday morning experience. It's not a Wednesday night Bible study experience. It's Monday morning and Tuesday morning. And it's everywhere you go. It's when you're on vacation. And it's when you... Everywhere you go on this planet, your relationship with God is front and center. And you don't have to say, well, the pastor's not around, so I'm going to do da-da-da. Don't worry about the pastor. I'm the least of your problem. Need to worry about him. Well, he sees. I've told you all this story before, and I'll, I'll conclude with it tonight. But it's just so fitting here. A number of years ago, uh, we trailered motorcycles to Gatlinburg. Talk about good memories of Grace Church. And... Uh, the people that we went with don't attend church here anymore, but still have great memories. And uh, I ran into this man that was one of the main ones on this trip. Ran into him a couple of weeks ago. We had a great conversation at a restaurant uh, after church on Sunday. We trailed our motorcycles, and uh, the group I was with got there first. And 
we were waiting on three three more to kind of drag up the rear, and it was this man and two or three guys he was bringing with him. And so they finally got there that night. So when he texted me and said we were about 30 minutes out, I went on out to the motel parking lot to wait on him. And there was a, a, a man that I did not know and never seen before was standing looking at my motorcycle, which oftentimes would happen. And uh, so I just walked over to him, and I said, What's up, man? He said, uh, Ma'am, just, you know, just kind of intrigued with this motorcycle. And uh, so I struck up a conversation with him and told him that I was a very happy owner of that motorcycle. And uh, I said, Where are you from? He said, Indiana. I said, Oh, I said, uh, So are you a Hoosier? And I pushed a button, man. You know, now that's basketball is what I was referring to. But around here, if it's LSU football and they're not doing good, you're going to hear it, whether you want to or not. Even when they're doing good, they're not doing good enough. And you hear that all the time. I just want to go ahead and tell you folks, there's a lot of colleges on this in, the, in the United States that would love to have Les Miles. And a lot of you would love for them to have him. I give you that. But he's still a very winning coach is my point. Anyway, he's had a bad year anyway. So I saw this man about being a Hoosier. And, buddy, all of a sudden the words, four-letter words, that my little ears just don't like to entertain too much, you know. And Well, they're not little, but ears. Anyway, you know, that's the only part of your body that never stops growing. That's why old men have these, like, flaps on the side of their head. Your ear just keeps growing, if y'all didn't know that anyway. I'm talking to this man, and, buddy, the language, and it's just going down, 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 down. And I said, man, I'm really sorry. I'm honestly sorry about y'all's basketball program. LSU don't have much of one. Hadn't had one since Dale Brown era is what it is. But uh, hopefully y'all can get it up and running one day. And uh, so conversation went on. He said, uh, well, what do you do in Louisiana? I couldn't wait for that question. I said, I pastor a church. He said, oh. I am so sorry. He said, I'm a Christian. He said, I promise you that I'm a Christian. But he said, I'm only a Christian at home. That was his words. When I leave home, I leave my Christianity there. And I thought that was very interesting. I didn't pursue that conversation much more with him. The epitome of hypocrisy. I pray that Grace Church can be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That everywhere you go, you're a child of God. Everywhere. And that people know you by the works that you do. It's not what you say. Words are cheap. It's what you do that's important. It's how you act and conduct yourself that's important. It's been a while since I've taught the fruit of the Spirit and it's, it's about to cycle around again. We, we need to go through that again, Galatians chapter 5. But that's what determines our Christianity. You listen to me tonight, and I may offend some. Our holiness lifestyle is unto the Lord. That's unto Him. That's why the world don't understand it. Y'all understand that? You know, people do weird stuff and dress weird and all that. People don't understand it. Holiness is unto Him. Galatians chapter 5 and the fruit of the Spirit is unto them. And you're known by your works. Jesus said that by this 
shall all men know that you're my disciples. How? I don't know what you're saying. The answer to that question is that you love one another. That's Christianity 101. And people come to church here and they don't feel that, they're not coming back. I love Grace Church, man. When people show up here on Sunday morning, we hear it all the time, even Wednesday night. Great atmosphere. We had somebody rolling out of here last Wednesday night. Man, I love this church, love this church, whatever. It's got to stay that way. You can say you love God all you want, but you manifest that love for God by how much you love your neighbor, your family, your fellow churchgoer. And I, I'm not going to start tonight on the fruit of the Spirit. Don't get nervous. But I want you to understand tonight that this is where pastor remembers you and this is where we pray for you. So in conclusion tonight, I want you to notice that Paul prayed for their happiness, their wealth, and their health. And we pray for you the same way. I pray that God prospers every person in this church. I'm not into total prosperity ministry, and we have preachers that are beat up because they do sometimes preach that the people of God should be blessed. We should be. We should be blessed. If you're not, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. As a byproduct of serving God, you should be blessed. So I pray for your happiness. I pray for your wealth. I pray for your health. Paul was not praying that their circumstances would change, but that the Philippians would experience a total change of life not just of circumstance. And when you have a change of life, your perspective changes. And you start seeing things different. And this is why I say all the time when I'm preaching, we've got to be kingdom-minded. It's not about this local church. You've got to think big. You've got to think the kingdom of God. It's His kingdom. That's what He bled and died for. And when you can see things that way, then all of a sudden God gets really huge. This is what I pray for you, that you discover the joy that comes and surrendering every part of your life to Jesus Christ and to, move being, and to move beyond being just Sunday Christians and truly live the abundant life that Jesus has in mind for you. That's what I pray for you. So I hope this has been a blessing tonight and just wanted to share, spend a Wednesday night with you. I love Wednesday night Bible study. I have so much fun on Wednesday night. When people miss Wednesday night, I don't get it. Yeah, I do get it. You don't have nearly as much fun as I do. If you did, you wouldn't miss. But it's a great time to be in church with you folks. I love the environment. I love, the, I love our church. Such a consistent group here on Wednesday night, and I'm very thankful for you. So I just pray that the joy of the Lord is yours and that you let him bring to pass everything in your life that he desires to. And everyone said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I love my pastor. Y'all didn't see that coming, did you? I saw some of you. I want to see you after church, too, and want to know why. I'm teasing. But do turn to your neighbor and say, I love you very much, and I'm glad to have you a part of our church. Would y'all do that? Love y'all very much. Absolutely. God bless you tonight. Stand to your feet. And it's Q8 time. Throw the slide up there real quick. Q8 Y'all remember what Q8 means? Somebody's within eight feet of you, go speak to them. If you don't know them, shake their hand, tell them your name, and that you would love to have them come back and visit with us again at Grace Church. Q8, thank the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. Love you, folks.